What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Project Manga Podcast. I'm Noxie. It's your boy, Kiko. Eagle. Back again with tangential tie-ins, and we're met with another very special guest tonight. It's our good friend, Silvers. You might know him from Twitter, uh, Facebook. He uh, is the other side of the coin. We had a, we had our good friend, Hannibal, on uh, one of the last tie-in episodes that we did, and uh, he runs a pop culture aesthetic page along with our good friend, Silvers, here called Extra Dimensional. And uh, finally getting them on the show. Finally, finally, slowly but surely bringing all of our people into the fold. How are you doing, bro? Great, man. Happy to be here. Thanks yeah, for having dude. me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for, oh, thanks yeah. for, thanks for joining us. Um, do you have anything that you want to say about extra dimensional at all at the at the no. top of the hour here? If if you just if you love uh, manga, anime, comics, art in general, that kind of aesthetic, come to extra dimensional. We'd love to have you uh, join. Absolutely, and I'll put the at once again down in the description for you guys. I'll put the link in there so you guys can check it out. It's an incredible, incredible aesthetic page. Um, but yeah, tonight the topic is best villains or antagonists in anime and manga. And this is always a topic that I feel like gets a lot of love whenever it's discussed. Um, it's definitely, you know, one of the biggest things about anime and manga. I mean, like, there's no good adventure or, you know, there's, there's no good story really inside of fiction you know, that doesn't have an incredible antagonist somewhere in there or some kind of villain. So, Definitely. um, yeah. And, and, mm -hmm. and, and this is one where we kind of want to like do it a little bit different than we usually do inside of the tie in episodes. Normally we'll just start the conversation off with, you know, some of the big names inside of the topic or related to the topic and then go into, you know, a, a list of our, of our personal picks that we want to touch on. And we're still going to do that. But, um, at the front of the episode, the conversation that we're going to have initially, um, is actually a question that I, wanted to pose for everyone involved here on what makes a great villain inside of anime and manga what are the parameters or what's the metric that you use to judge or to rate you know um an antagonist or a villain inside of these stories so i thought that, that would be a pretty fun conversation that we could have at the top of the hour here and then once we start talking about some of the the picks related to the topic we can kind of like hold them up to you know that metric and see if they you know, if they, uh, if they, if they hit all the marks, basically. So, um, I can definitely go first if you'd like, um, unless anybody else wants to take it. I'll take it. Well, let me, let go me ahead. Let me, let me jump in. Let me jump here. Let's I, go. My, it, my favorite thing about villains just in across any story is their motivation, right? Like you yeah. gotta have a villain that is not, I'm just evil to be evil. I'm yes. just here to do bullshit because yes. I don't like whatever. You know, like you definitely got to have a good backstory, uh, yeah. a good reason for who they are. You almost sympathize with them a lot of the time. You're kind of like teetering on that line <laughs> where you're like, it's again the meme, the dude pouring the henny in the cup. Like, <laughs> I, I think I might. Uh, it's got to make sense this. here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so motivation's a, a top thing for me. But yeah. yeah. That's that's the big one for me. So somebody yeah. else, go ahead. That's massive. Yeah. Um, just 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 piggybacking off of what you were saying, I'll go. I'll just go ahead and go through 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 my metric that I have here because I kind of broke it into a couple different categories, right? So of course you have like motivations or 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 their message. You know what I mean? And is a villain like you saying 
like you were saying, Kiko, you know, is a villain evil just for the sake of being evil? Um, or do they have a message or, or are they backed by any amount of reason? You know what I yeah. mean? Like rational or irrational, like how well can the antagonist paint the picture of why they're doing what they're doing? So like, you know, whether you agree or not, like, is that reasoning in any way interesting beyond just the idea that they need to be taken down? Yeah. Um, the right. next uh, the next kind of metric that I have is pathos. I feel like pathos is really important in a, in a villain because is the antagonist written in any way where you feel for them to any degree? You know what I mean? Like, do we get a flashback of a shitty past uh, or, or do we see other sides of this character beyond just an incorrigible maniac, you know, that has to die or, or, or be thrown in jail? Um, personality and relatability is also really important to me, too. Like, I've always been drawn to villains that are like more like on the charismatic side of things. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, does this character, definitely. you know, ever just seem like a person, you know, outside of our mm -hmm. knowledge that they're a bad guy? <laughs> you know, like, do they do they look yeah. normal or are they attractive? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, I don't you know, the, of course, you have like villains and antagonists that look scary and that look like monsters. But, you know, are are they someone who, you know, are OK to look at? You know what I mean? Because that plays a huge role in things like do they I they, think attractive villains are the best. villains. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, me too. Definitely. You know, do they? Um, do they behave in, in ways that aren't always stereotypically detestable, you know, is, is, is also huge for me. Like, is their influence over the masses or their subordinates one of fear or respect? You know what I mean? Do, do they rally others to their cause because they just, those people just don't want to die? Or, you know, do they genuinely believe in that villain's cause? You know what I mean? That's, that's another thing that's huge for me. Development also is incredible, is, is incredibly important because, if the villain changes in any way from the beginning of their character arc to the end of their character arc, that plays a huge role, you know, in whether or not they'll, you know, go down as legendary or kind of all right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So definitely. Yeah, that's the and the, and those are the four, you know, areas of, of critique that I hold any villain, you know, that I read about or watch to. You know what I mean? So Okay. Yeah. 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 You guys got I think you guys covered pretty much the two big ones I was gonna. <laughs> what do you got? What were, what were yours? I don't. Well, I mean, the pathos, obviously, yeah. and then yeah. the the motive, you know. But I think personality is another big one for me. Right. Know? Like, do you ever just see a villain just chilling? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. is is every time you see them, them talking <laughs> about their dastardly plot, or do you get characters like Mahito and like Crollo Lucifer where they can be sitting and playing card games and like actually like having what can be you know identified as you know a, a loving or caring relationship with their with their people you know what i mean yeah yeah uh i like to also think if 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 the bad guy is convinced that he's actually the good guy that is always like when they they're so steadfast and they they're believing what they're doing is ultimately right like the end justifies the means kind of thing that that's always big for me you know like it, are, are they believable and credible you yeah. know like credible is a thing you know that's that goes back to are they crazy are they just being evil for for to be evil for no reason like you need that you need credibility with your villain definitely mm -hmm. yeah 100 silvers yeah honestly uh it piggybacks on all three of yours and that for me i think one of the best things about the villain archetype is the execution the rise to power yeah. what do they do to get to where they currently are yeah 
Um, do they go a ruthless path, a manipulative path? Um, are they constantly rubbing it in the hero's face? Or are they the puppet master playing behind the scenes and not revealing themselves until the big event? Yeah, I think great. Yeah. Love it. And, yeah. And again, depending on, you know, personality, their motive and pathos, it could be numerous things so yeah i always love seeing where you know the, the path from you know the chapter one to current it's great yeah dude yeah definitely yeah and that's right. that's a, that's a really good point like also like does the villain ever like because a villain always like a, a really good one pushes the protagonist to like their limits right like how far can they break them down what do they have to like bring out of that protagonist in regards to growth or in regards to like psychological state you know like how does 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 that antagonist affect you know the protagonist in any kind of way and it's always like that dichotomy that is either has a lot of depth to it or you know you have a lot of stories where it's just okay here's the bad guy we know he's bad we know the protagonist has to beat them there's a fight and then it happens obviously that's extremely boring but i feel like in the best stories that we see you see intense amounts of development on both sides of the coin right yep. and it, and going back to what i was saying like how much of that is brought out of the protagonist like does the does the villain almost rally the protagonist to their cause you know what i mean or or, or anything along those lines is always it always makes for a gripping or, or a compelling story arc too so yeah a static antagonist or villain is almost just as bad as a stat static hero i'd love i yeah. love seeing them learn and adapt and changing yeah because because like no matter what story you're reading the most important aspect of it especially in fiction is those two characters antagonist and protagonist you know what i mean and when mm -hmm. you have development on both sides you know they don't it doesn't necessarily have to be equal i feel like it's very rare when you get mm -hmm. equal development of an antagonist and a protagonist throughout a story but if you can do that you're fucking killing the game but I mean, there has to be something there besides this guy has a really bad idea. He's got the people, you know, under him that can make that idea reality. And the protagonist has to stop it because, you know, that's what they have to do. You know what I mean? Like, we're not right. we're not children. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> make it a little bit more interesting, please. OK, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, that was, thanks for thanks. Thanks for answering that for me, you guys. I, I just wanted to have a quick conversation about that and see where you guys' heads are at, because once we start talking about you know some of these big names that you know are related to the topic i kind of want to like reference back to to that metric that we have for critiquing and judging them and you know see which ones really hold up to all of those standards right yeah. so like what are some um what are some like obvious villains that have to be talked about on an episode like this Silvers, I think I, I nominate Silvers. Mm. Go ahead. You know you should uh, take. Yeah, you're the take new guy. Away. Take the reins. Go crazy. All right. Um, man, I'm gonna have to give it to the goat of villains, and that's gonna be Griffith from Berserk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with the best haircut anybody's the, ever had. His right? shit is floating, fam. That was slash sarcasm. You want to avoid it? No, spoilers. I'm dead ass, bro. Like he has one of the best. Forward to the next portion. Wait, wait, wait what did you say? <laughs> I said if you want to avoid spoilers on Berserk, now would be the time. Well, to skip well, forward. well, Silver's try to like try to try to talk about Griffith as best as you can without spoiling anything, and then obviously right. like you know like we kind of like want to cater to the people who might not be, you know, reading Berserk okay. or, or or might like watch this episode and get an, an interest to read Berserk. So like 
or mm. watch Berserk, whatever they want to do for whatever reason they want to do that. But if you're gonna watch it, watch the '90s version and forget everything else. Yeah, and I, and I've heard, and I've heard, version isn't that bad. I've heard, I've you know, I've heard it on both sides. Like I haven't watched the CGI version for any amount of time besides like a clip on Facebook here and there, and like mm-hmm. aesthetically, like I, I'm kind of not feeling it. But I have heard people right. say that it's great. You know what I mean? So. It's definitely up to you, but if you're new to Berserk, or if you haven't done Berserk, Silvers, please try your best to explain Griffith in a way that's non-spoilery. Of course, we can definitely go into things that he's done in the narrative that are spoiler territory, and before we go into that, right. just let me know, and I'll I'll let people you know know that I'll, we'll put, a time, I'll put a timestamp down in the description for him. So. <clears throat> well, to, first off, when, uh, when talking about Griffith and him being the main villain of Berserk, it really all depends on how you read Berserk. Because there are two major important arcs in the story, and if you read one before the other, it hits, you know, it gives a little bit of backstory on him. But if you read read the other arc first, it's like this amazing slow burn Game of Thrones build up before this huge event hits. But um, to describe to describe Griffith, he's he's charismatic, he's tactically ingenious, he's always seems like he's ahead of the game in every step he makes and this is before he makes the big villain turn yeah um and when i mean charisma i mean he is both physically attractive and just completely very uh, he's like a vacuum of charisma when he just draws people towards him and, and you know him being a military leader it's very very fitting yeah um but as we go further in the story of Berserk, we find out that, you know, he's he's very, very driven. He's narcissistic. Um, he's willing to not exactly do the greatest things to achieve his goals. And then, you know, he makes this insane, like, definition of betrayal times 100. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and, I mean, and going into what you were saying, though, it's like when you're going through, like, like you were talking about how, like, there's like two different ways that you can, like, initially consume the the, the story, the story of Berserk. And, and and I'll just go ahead and say it. You can either start with Black Swordsman or you can start with the Golden Age. The Golden Age yeah. kind of like acts as like an origin of guts. Right. And that's that's honestly exactly what it is. It takes you exactly. right from the beginning and shows you who guts is from birth to you know, when he when he comes into his own. But if you start with the Black Swordsman arc, he's already an adult and he's already well into you know his 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 story you know what i mean and yeah exactly if yeah you start- and, but if you start with the golden age like you and you don't know anything about berserk at all and you meet griffith like this is the farthest like it for a while like this is like you see like little bits of like his bloodlust leak out from here and there and you start to see yeah. you know like little hints here and there that you might catch on to like as you're going through it but like honestly I started with Black Swordsman, but like I could see people starting with Golden Age and not having any idea that Griffith is gonna go crazy. The I, way that I he does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, being the weeb that I am, I had heard the stories about Griffith and stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure. But I, I started because you know he's mean to hell and back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I started with Golden Age first. Did you? And yes. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I just I, I heard the stories and stuff like that, and I'm like, I really want to see like how it all began and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I guess to go further into it, I'm going to have to, you know, spoil a bit. So I'll put some, so, like, this is your warning right now, you guys. If yeah. You're not, if, you're not, if you're not reading Berserk, if you're not caught up, or if you're not 
any amount you know of, of length into the story this is your warning right now i'll put a timestamp in the description to let you know like when the spoiler territory ends for the story but i know that like berserk is like in the upper echelon of like stories that the internet rages about being spoiled for even though it's like really yeah. old but like i just want to be as safe as possible since it's a tie-in episode so here's your warning now go ahead silvers all right so um when we meet uh griffith we're already a, quite a bit of ways in guts's story um he's a young up-and-coming mercenary um and you know when it comes to the bands of mercenaries in the story of berserk you're always doomed to battle against another band or another army or so on and so forth and he gets um Gr guts gets challenged by the band of the falcon which is run by uh griffith and they actually have a one-on-one -on -one duel and how guts comes to be in the company of griffith is at, when this duel happens griffith absolutely just destroys him whereas you know and and we see we also we get see a some really impressive good shit from guts in that in that in that situation yeah. too like um and we also see a lot of how much of a polar opposite griffith is to guts yeah. whereas guts is like he's using uh just a giant great sword with just <laughs> ferocity just absolute barbarian griffith is using a i want to say not a cutlass but just a regular broadsword yeah with, with one more of like a rapier style of, rapier yeah, that yeah of, yeah he, yeah. it's just all graceful movements and within Fluid. a few moves he's already beat guts and the deal was if i win you become mine yeah you serve me and so you know he <laughs> he honors it and we get you know uh introduced to his party and stuff like that and then we get introduced uh to casca who is griffith's right hand soldier hey. now yes <laughs> Abs bay absolute bay badass bay because she is also a very competent swordsman really amazing warrior in the battlefield um and the story takes a turn where we're just focused on those casca griffith uh guts some other characters that also uh play out and um, the band but, of the know, the band of the hawk is written like really well like in in regards to like camaraderie and whatnot but like 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 yes. silvers like, like like silvers was saying like it really is just all about casca griffith and guts you know what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy how much they focus on those three characters, but how much you still care about the other members of the of the of the Hawk at the same mm -hmm. time throughout that Golden Age story. But but yeah, I mean, yeah, the camaraderie they they share wins, they share losses, um, and as they get more and more wins, the band the the Hawk or Falcon gets more and more reputable throughout the kingdom, and it gets to the point where. Uh, Griffith is actually getting like land and stuff and his whole goal when we first meet him is to have his own castle and rule over you know his own people and stuff like that and so while Griffith is you know taking on most if not all the credit for a lot of these big big victories because he's the leader so he gets most of the credit Guts is like you know I've been I've been living as the swordsman always fighting for Griffith uh, I don't know if I want to keep doing this forever. And it makes sense because, you know, eventually the wars are going to end. What are you going to do after that? And uh, both he and Casca are, you know, growing closer and closer because uh, whereas Griffith is, is uh, taking a more 
uh, tactical general-like position, these two are both on the battlefield in the thick of it, and they grow closer and closer, and eventually they pretty much fall for each other. Right. You know, uh, and so after, at a certain point, Guts is like, I got, I'm got to leave, man. All right, we're, we, we've pretty much, we've pretty much done, done everything we that do. we were supposed to do. I've gotten what you're, I needed out of this band. You're gaining favor with the king. You're pretty much royalty. I got to set out on my own. I got to do my own thing. And so they have one last battle between Griffith and Guts. And um, for whatever reason, we're not exactly sure, but it seems like Guts just absolutely... Like he he beats him he he in like a few moves it was almost like a mirror of the first fight where yeah he just beats Griffith and he takes off and leads the band and this just absolutely decimates Griffith because we we actually have learned throughout the story that whereas everyone like pretty much rallies around Griffith guts and Casca were the only ones that were like we kind of see through all this. We're going to give it to you straight. We're not just a couple of yes men. Yeah. So the fact that Griffith actually lost something, he's not getting what he wants, even with all of his charisma, all of his battle readiness and all that stuff, he, it, it just sends this, sends him through a spiral. And so he musters enough strength to go out and get on a stagecoach and ride away and try and kill himself. Uh, he crashes the stagecoach, falls into like this pond, um, injures himself. Sure. He tries to kill himself, but what all he can fuck? do is like yeah. slightly puncture his neck, and some of the blood gets enough. on the behelot. And once the blood hits the behelot, he's approached by the four, known as the God Hand. We find out, and as they approach, or as they show up, the band show up to. I don't know, help out uh, Griffith after he crashed the stagecoach. And he's like, and the four are like, all right, we're, uh, we're going to take you to where you can make your, uh, your dream reality. And so the, four, the God Hand warp him and the rest of the Band of the Falcon to an alternate dimension, which where the God Hand resides. And all of a sudden, the four reappear back at the uh, Band of the Falcon and they welcome them to this like this glorious feast and let loose just this army of demons upon the band and we are shown some of the most brutal horrific and like savage things done to essentially his his underlings his closest friends everyone guts at this moment is just like oh shit demons i'm going to try and kill as many as i can naturally all while and he has no idea what brought forth this. He has no idea that at this time, Griffith is the one doing this. Yeah. And so he's slaying everything that he can. Meanwhile, everybody else, people that we've come to know and love are getting absolutely destroyed, ripped apart, fed upon by these demons. And then Griffith reappears in God hand form. He's now referred to as Femto and he he has one of the demons uh, pin Griffith by his arm, and then he has another one of them bring Casca to him. And when he br when he has Casca brought to him, he pretty yeah he just 
I'm not going to paint it lightly. He straight up rapes her savagely in front of Griff Griffith. Guts. Wow. And in front of Guts. In front of Guts. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. And while this is happening, Guts is desperately trying to just straight up murder Griffith while his arm is pinned and literally rips his arm completely off chasing after him yeah dude and it is the like biggest betrayal i've i've ever witnessed in manga anime or even comics and that's what a lot of people say you know what i mean and it, like and it, and it goes back to like i've heard people like say like you know like griffith did nothing wrong or like is griffith really a villain yeah or is, or is you know like, yes like, and, well, and it blurs the and line or whatever like a lot of people are like well it's is like, femto fam. different than griffith He's, yeah, he like, retains all of his memories yes. all of his motivations Femto is just Griffith stripped of any human inhibition. Yeah. He and, is. And and people can make a case that then he's not really, then Griffith himself is not really a villain or, or, or anything like that. But it's like, I don't know. You could probably tell it better than me, but I feel like if you do all of that, there's no way you're not a villain. You know what I the mean? Fucked up, the fucked up part is I think Griffith did what he did so that Guts would make him his focal point from then on out. Yeah, it's kind of like a Joker Batman dichotomy. He couldn't. Right? He couldn't stand the fact that Guts left, so he did the one thing that he could to get him back to make the one him person. Obsessed with him. Yeah. Exactly. The 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 really uh, one of the worst things that happens too is that Griffith like reincarnates back as his human self, and establishes himself as a kingdom ruler and aside from casca and guts no one actually knows about what happened because everyone else is dead everyone else is dead <laughs> yeah yeah it's crazy yeah super <sighs> crazy and yeah and regardless of what you want to say about like the moral like you know like the morality line being blurred in like one one direction or another it's like i think that most people will agree that griffith is horrible and oh absolutely <laughs> yeah and and he definitely deserves to be on this list absolutely yeah i feel yeah. like uh i mean that's just like a troll meme because yeah yeah oh, no, no, well, yeah, nothing no, wrong is, yeah no, well, no, for sure, there's for sure no it's a one... troll meme but yeah. like i don't think there's yeah. actually anybody that really believes no there, no, no, no there are no there, no, there are think. some people seriously who really side with that how yeah. can you believe god it damn hey, i know bro i know the bro. nsa's got like a new thing to fucking you know a <laughs> monitor for if you actually think griffith did nothing wrong you're on the nsa list they're looking for <laughs> <Yeah>. you <laughs> oh yeah hell yeah i mean I, and and we can honestly dedicate an entire tie-in episode to griffith but I feel like that paints a, a good enough picture as to definitely. yeah, you know, definitely, and, and and obviously, you know, like without dedicating an entire episode to Griffith, it's going to be hard to really go into all of the reasons, you know, like about his character and and and, and why, mm. you know, like he is considered one of the greatest villains of all time. Like, but we just don't have time for all of it. So no, yeah. no. But thank you, thank you, Silvers, for painting that picture for us. Um, yeah, another... you're welcome, and I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, but 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 a lot of everything you said was super necessary. So, but um, but yeah, man, Griffith for sure. What's another one? What's another really good? Should we talk about Shigaraki Tamura from My Hero Academia? Uh, that's kind of like yeah. the flavor. That's kind of like the flavor of the of the of the month, the year, like whatever, however you want to say it. But season four is booming right now uh, in in My Hero yeah. Academia, and although it's season not really centered, around, it, it's, it's very good. And although it's not really centered around Tamura right now, um, it, it, Shigaraki, in my opinion is the best villain in My Hero Academia. You know what I mean? And like, you can have your favorites here and there staying all for one, what have you. Redestro. 
Oh my god. But, <laughs> but Shigaraki is the one that I that I kind of wanted to highlight at the front of the episode here before we start talking about like who we personally have on our list just Shut because up. I feel like I feel like inside of the story of My Hero Academia, Shigaraki has had the most focus, you know, like paid attention to him. And he just like says a lot for the writing of the story in regard to like what a villain actually means in the story. You know what I mean? So he's like the first major villain that we're introduced to. Um, he's 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 got the most backstory up till this point. If you're current in the manga, um, and I feel like even if even in the anime at this point, I mean, I know they're focusing on Shisaki or Overhaul right now, but the, I mean, she's Tomura's still kind of like looming in the background. You know what I mean? There's some so, good. Yeah. We there's just some got good. that panel of him like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but like even in the anime, like yeah, yeah it's definitely you know the overhaul arc, and it's going to be focused on you know the yakuza. But there's some yep. good there, so far this far in this season. There has been some good uh, Shigaraki dialogue where he's like, "All right, Toga and Twice, y'all are yakuza now," and they're like, "No, what? What the fuck? You know they're yes. they're heated about it, especially yes. Twice. I mean, it's so yeah. hard. And to no, know, Toga like, too, Toga, because Toga, Toga puts is the too, knife yeah. to his neck. Like, look, but, bro." But, Toga's so weird, you know. Yeah, You're like, yeah. I, but but it's not like twice where twice takes his mask off and he's like, "We're human too." Yeah. Like, you think mm. this is you know like what I yeah. should be doing? That I feel the most responsible for Magna's death. Yeah. And fucking yeah, Shigaraki's and, and twice like, harbors all yeah. of that like resentment towards the Yakuza because of Magna. Yeah. So he's like, "You're gonna send me to go work with the motherfuckers who killed our homegirl? Like, what yeah. the fuck is like what the fuck is wrong with you? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and that's one of the things that I feel like my hero does better with villains than in most of the stories that i've ever read is that there's contention inside of the villainous ranks you know what yeah, i mean yeah. like you'll see dysfunctional arguments it's not just oh captain my captain at all times no matter what you do i'm going to submit to that will they'll argue with each other and they'll fight with each other and they'll come close to killing each other to get their point across i mean you don't think you know it's not ever maybe it'll actually like happen where there's some serious damage dealt but like for right now you know in the story it's just really big arguments that come that could potentially come to blows but that's yeah. still so different than what you see anywhere else and it's just it just well and like shigaraki i mean it shows like during these um you know this dialogue with twice and toga uh how after that like they, they like totally misunderstand i i mean i it's so hard to say that they misunderstand because like i i would have took it the same way like what the fuck you mean we're going to work with these guys like right. i mean i right. but uh you know shigaraki's like okay twice you feel the most responsible for this this is something you can do you know like i don't see these people as equals you know like he you know really wins them over in very few words back to his side with his to show that he's more than just that fucking scratchy crackhead psycho you know like yeah <laughs> oh my god you know but like can we get this that, man some burt's bees can we get this man some fucking like where's first the shows chaps? up with the hoodie yeah like, get him some damn vaseline right something <laughs> anything some some kind of chapstick i mean yeah we gotta do but something here. Kind of chapstick. He, he wins him back too because he's just like yeah i've never once seen these people as equal obviously like we're about to break them we're about to yeah. get in here infiltrate you're about to win them over to your cause and then we're about to fucking just fuck their whole shit up and it's just like i don't know why um i mean but he doesn't he doesn't actually like give them any plans to betray no the yakuza because when 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 one of the precepts when shisaki's yeah. homeboy uses his confession quirk Yep. you know and he's like y'all gonna betray us and they're like no you know what yeah, i mean like you're right yeah so it's like it's weird because he said enough 
to for me yeah but i'm a sane human being that i would have been able to read in between the lines whereas twice and toga are as far from sane is there is yeah right clearly um but like that scene just confused me so much because it's like obviously in the back of their head they're going to do that eventually so it's like how did they not fess up there but i took it as shigaraki can talk with them in the perfect way that he you know like he can just get on their level in such a way that they it it doesn't need to be said yes yeah yeah just because the way that the the way that he worded the question was was there did he tell you deliberate specifically deliberately to betray us yeah and he didn't so yeah so that was just a mistake in the way in the way of of, of questioning right yeah probably which just goes into like him as a tactical mind too because i don't think he knows about dude's quirk no he doesn't i'm sure so did he like uh, like it's like it's always possible it asks the question like do they you know does he know like did he factor in that he that they could have a quirk like that on their side yeah i mean or does he just relate or does he just know them on that level to where it doesn't need to be said and not in a tactical way i think that he considered that it's possible that you especially in this world a hero where like something like hunter where like abilities are so diverse right and there could be anything like any ability can be a thing it's not like a like a traditional like uh martial arts manga or story where it's like you got you know hand-to-hand combat and maybe like some key attacks but like mind control and shit like that is is definitely on the table in heroes world so yeah straight up shigaraki had to had to take that into account eagle do you have anything that you wanted to say about tamura well Shigaraki is one where, like I said before, I just like his personality because he's one where, I don't know, I usually don't like him too much, but he's one where it's like, he's kind of just bad shit crazy. Yeah. But in a way that's controlled, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like a big moment he's got coming up in season four at the end of it all <laughs> you know overhaul is oh. getting hauled away hey 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 spoilers it, i can't wait <laughs> it's project manga uh, right? yeah 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 anyway. he's getting overhauled away yo <laughs> and like where were you really on that voice so the actor, the I, I, I wasn't gonna do any on yeah this yeah episode, no you're good you're good, but, you're good you're good go ahead yeah. eagle yeah what were you saying i really about? hope the voice actor for tomorrow can uh can get it you know I mean, I'm not. I guess I can't expect too much, you know. But I really hope they do it in the way I wish they would. Yeah, I think because that can, scene is massive. I, yeah. I think he's a, he's a really good voice actor for yeah. Sugar Rock, yeah. for sure. I, I but think it's so. got to be like high pitched, like crazy, like yeah, like, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And 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 like Eagle was saying, like with his personality, I feel like Tamura has the kind of personality where he can be in a in a in a he's batshit crazy but he's not batshit crazy to the point where it doesn't make sense to follow him you know what i mean yeah. like you have because because everybody you know in the league of villains and now you know going later you know into the story with with their situation now it's like you have followers that are relatively rationally minded you know what i mean so like you can't just have this absolute lunatic that doesn't make sense at any time leading you and Shigaraki has a certain like charisma that's not like on par with like, you know, a character like Frollo Lucifer or or even Kisaki Overhaul. But at the same time, people are drawn to him. You know what I mean? And and there are times where he'll tweak out and show you just how villainous and crazy he can be. But at the same time, he can dial it down and 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 be coherent enough tactical. to, to tactical yeah. and get his point you know across in a way where, you know, it makes sense that he's in this lead position. You know what I mean? So. 
Yeah, because he legit laid back. Yeah. He said, All right. Oh yeah. You made a fool of me. Yeah. I'm a play chess on your ass send yeah. a couple of my guys your way yeah <laughs> we gonna lurk at the end of this shit you know what i'm saying but at the drop oh, of a hat he can pff, like you know what i'm saying like real quick like you know turn on yeah, him well, in, the, you know, in that way this man different different yeah yeah and, and it you know and and when he does have his personality shifts it doesn't seem awkward or out of place you know what i mean like kohei did a really good job of giving you little bits and little bits of of, of his character you know, especially, you know, where we're at in the manga now, we have like this really vivid picture, you know, of his character where we've gotten all of his pathos and we have this backstory for him and, and we see his origin and, and, and a lot of things really make sense about why he is the way that he is, you know, but at the same time, he's all for one's main underling, you know what I mean? So he's learned a lot from all for one, probably in regards to charisma and in regards to, you know, like having a face that can be followed while keeping your you know, real, you know, detestable and, and incorrigible and, and maniacal nature under wraps until it's until it makes sense to see it. You know yeah. what I mean? So so I just think that his character has been handled incredibly well throughout the series. And honestly, as a villain, you can't say enough good things about him. But definitely one that I feel like needed to be highlighted at the front of the episode here for sure. But with every character driven tie-in episode that we do. We got a list of personal picks that we want to bring up that are relevant to the topic. So who wants to go first? I think uh, I think I'll take it. Let's go. I think somebody I wanted to talk about from uh, obviously the season one of, of Promise Neverland was only the Gracefield house and it's yet to come out yet. But so manga spoilers ahead. But manga spoilers for Promise Neverland. I'll put the link. Not down. manga spoilers, but oh. Um, anime spoilers. So oh. if you're anime, only, yeah, same you know. thing. That's what. Oh, this so is what good. you're talking about happens in season one? No. Oh, it happens in Goldie Pond. Okay, so manga spoilers for Tr Promise Neverland. I'll put the the timestamp down in the description here. Yeah, morning. yeah, go yeah. Go crazy. The person I wanted to talk about is is Leovis. Let's it's, go. It's it's <laughs> just like Leovis. A lot of people criticize this part in Promise Neverland because. They say it turns into like a, a regular battle shonen. More so but than what was before. Sometimes but. you just got to dump on people, you know? <laughs> right. But like Leovis was the first time we were really introduced to like a super powerful ass demon. Yeah. And he like he didn't have super deep, like relatable motivations, but his personality was super fucking lovable. I, I loved his personality and just the way he moved around. He had a little monkey. And yeah, he was yeah. Rob Lucci a little bit. I love my little monkey. Yeah. <laughs> I love Louis for that. Just and honestly, I'm glad that the story, like obviously we knew since the first chapter of the first episode that one of these demons was going to be a big bad of an arc. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like regardless yeah. of the psychological thriller like story that was like set with the Gracefield house arc, like, yeah. like you always knew that they were going to have to go toe to toe with one of these things and a very you know advanced form of one you know right. what i mean so like say what you will about about goldie pond but 
it w- it was super necessary to the story and obvious. So I love that. But we had no that. idea it was gonna be like what it was. Like, right. It was like a yeah. 500, 800 year old demon that yes. was just a monstrous motherfucker, bro. Yeah, and it's still like kind of like even in Goldie Pond, like it, it obviously didn't have the exact same feel as like Grace Fieldhouse in regards to like what kind of story was being told. It wasn't like a tried and true like Battle of the Wits, like high stakes because not a physical threat, but a more of a psychological one. But like there is still, it's still Goldie Pond still maintained a lot of the elements, you know, of suspense from the from the Goldie Pond situation. And there, so, there was a lot of psychological. There was a lot of it was just there was a lot of suspense. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, suspense definitely. But even like the psychological aspect of it, there there was that just in the sense of battle because yeah. there was a lot of planning, a lot of you know this happened, you know like and they had they to had keep to... in mind like the rules of Goldie Pond. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't just like a free for all like run away from demons it was they had set times where they could hunt and where you had time to get away if you did get away there was a reset time you know what yeah. i'm saying so there was a lot of like forethought and planning and tactical maneuverability that had to be employed yeah. there in that arc that still kept that that butt clenchy tension from from the previous arcs yeah 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 and then you find out that leovis is also when he find out that he's a member of the royal family yes he's one of lego Lima's brothers yes oh. That's how you know. Yes. Yeah. He was next level. Yes. Yeah, and it was with with Bayon Bayon running it. Lord Bayon was the one who set the whole shit up. But he was like a secondary villain, even though this was his fucking whole shit to begin with. Where Luvis right. steals the show, and it was meant to be that. Yeah. But like when Bayon you, when just you, got yacked on in the fucking hallway. Yeah. And I, and I was kind of mad about that, but at the same yeah. time, like it was cool. Because you think that, like I don't know, he was just he was just gassed up to be bigger than than what he ended up being, and it was like a it was not really a twist, but I was just like, damn, okay, so is that quick for Buddy? Right. <laughs> I was like, all right, and they were, were kind of opposites. Where Bayon kind of just rested on the fact that I'm a demon and I'm superior, where Lewis was like a warrior, yeah. like he and he didn't know, really underestimate, you know, the the enemy yeah. for a second, even though no. he wildly outstatted them, you know, in 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 every way, even in a multiple versus one situation. So Definitely. yeah, yeah, and that goes into like another thing about like villains. You know that I don't think that I really touched on inside of like my like parameters in our earlier conversations. Like, how big of a threat do they pose? You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, is it an overwhelming like situation where you're like, I can't think of a possible way that they can come out on top? Shigaraki right now. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, like, like how? Not even just going into how evil they are, or you know, or or how terrible they are, but like how powerful are they? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, does it make sense given what you know about the main cast right now that they can beat this person? Because Leovis yeah. is one where you're like, hell no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's a, that's a massive factor too. Yeah. Did you have anything else yeah. you wanted to say about Leovis as a character? Um, got the most drip for demons. I'll tell you that. Shit. Yeah, he soul, definitely does. Bro, he yes. definitely does have the most drip for demons. <laughs> He's drippy. He's got the trench coat. And right. the monkey. And the monkey. The monkey's <laughs> yeah, a part the of the drip, bro. The monkey is too clean. If I had that demon monkey, I'd just have a... Man, I'd be set. It was That'd like a Cyclops way. monkey, though, right? I know. Yeah, I don't yeah, even yeah, care yeah. how ugly that thing is. It's my little monkey. It was still cute, but it was like ugly at the same time. <laughs> it was ugly cute. That's rare. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, 
Leovis, uh, I feel like I want to. I feel like I want to touch on Leovis as a character a little bit here because, like, I feel like his motivations outside of just like the thrill of the hunt, even though that was what was the most like focused on for him. Um, you know, because up until that point, like the demons are, you know, shown to be, you know, people that just want to that are like kind of like driven by hunger. You know what yeah. I mean, and like kind of driven by appetite and by taste. You know what I mean, yeah. like they're 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 just like spoiled royalty, like kind of like on like the celestial dragons in One Piece level of things, but also yeah. driven by like a primal urge to like need the best quality of 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 food. And then later on, we realize why that is, but um, and we don't necessarily need to go into that right now. But Leovis was the yeah. first one that the thrill of the hunt, yeah, that really like focused on a more honorable way to consume you know these humans i guess you know to a certain degree because you know up until that point you just thought like there was no running at all available for these kids yeah. it was you're being bred and and raised and harvested and we don't give a fuck about you whereas leovis was like go ahead and run you could get away for a little bit and then when you do you could reset you could rest you could heal your wounds a little bit but then it's but you know but then it's back to business like at a certain time you know what i mean like there was way more of a of a you know personal you know thrill like satisfaction than just these things are food now it's these things are food and entertainment and a challenge you know yeah. what i mean which was which was was something that was new to the story at that point so i feel like yeah. that added a lot of of depth to his character as someone who didn't really no matter the quality of i mean he cared about the quality of the brain but like no matter the quality he still wanted to get it the way that was the most entertaining and the most satisfying in regards to you know physical you know satisfaction like i'm just trying to see where i'm at you know what i'm saying like he yeah. was still arrogant and he was still confident but he wanted that to be hard whereas everybody else is just like put that shit on my plate you know what i'm saying so yeah yeah, I feel like, like I'm trying to hunt. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Leovis was 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 really cool as a villain in that regard too. Yeah, but uh, good pick. Really yeah, good pick. definitely. Um, I'm gonna go next because I don't know if anybody else is gonna have this <clears throat> kind of pick on their list, and I wanted to introduce like a different, you know, concept than than maybe anybody else might have on there. But we're looking at a story called Akira, and it's a manga and it's a movie. And we're looking at Tetsuo! Nice. Oh my lord. From Akira. And and this is a different kind of villain than I was used to when I was introduced to it because it really is just like the story of a guy watching his best friend and his descent into madness. Just watching him turn into a monster. You know what I mean? And it's a different kind of, of villain than I was used to because usually it's just like there's either this unknown bad guy that comes into the fold and starts wreaking havoc, or it's a well-known bad guy by like everyone around that still the main character isn't necessarily connected to in any kind of serious way. But mm. like, but with Tetsuo, it's like it it it, it kind of just hits the mark on all of like my parameters on what makes a good villain, and, you know, or what makes a you know a, a bad villain in in the in the beginning conversation that we had. But like you you right away, almost right away. You know, you get like this this backstory of Tetsuo and you get this pathos for him because he was abandoned by his family, you know, and he was taken in by like the, the government of like Neo Tokyo. Because this is a you know, it's a cyberpunk story, so you know, it's it, it's in a dystopian future where, you know, corporations run the planet. And and it's always in like that kind of setting where you have a main character that like is sketched out by society. 
you know what I mean? And none, and none more so than one that is abandoned by his family and given to this government, you know what I mean? Or taken by this government, you know what I mean? So Tetsuo is already kind of sketched out in that regard. And then him and Kaneda, you know, like come up in this biker gang and, you know, Kaneda's the leader. So Tetsuo is kind of like, you know, Kaneda is kind of like an opposite story, you know, to, to Tetsuo, you know, to a certain degree, like, you know, but they also like, kind of leave like a similar lifestyle so there's things that connect them but there's also a lot, like a lot more things that contrast them and you know they Tetsuo like kind of like sees him as someone to like look up to but also someone to be jealous of so like you get like this this precedent set you know like in their in their situation that kind of foreshadows this conflict that's coming up right and then they get into that like crazy like biker crash like you know that that you know that with that with that small child or whatever that like kind of like starts this whole thing because it awakens yeah. it awakens Tetsuo's psychic ab like ab ability as like an esper right so like yep. and then you know the rest is the rest is history i don't need to tell the whole story of akira but it's just so crazy seeing him go from where you see him you know in his connection to Kaneda in the beginning of the story to just crazier and crazier and he's trying to find akira and he wants to destroy akira and 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 he's wreaking havoc and 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 just cutting a, a fucking what's the word i'm looking for here a swath through through neo tokyo yeah. you know what i mean and, and like seeing his rise to power and like him getting drunk with that power was just like such a cool thing to see not only tetsuo go through but also kaneda go through and also everybody else around that's involved and you know there's a lot of fat there's a lot of fodder <clears throat> that gets evaporated in tetsuo's wake which is always really cool to see <laughs> you know and 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 it's just like this if you haven't seen akira Holy fucking shit. beautiful yeah watch you it. know you know cyberpunk body horror you know just just a just a character yeah going mad with power and a, and a best friend trying to and it's always sad when you when you see that a character cares for the one that's going crazy and wants to try their best to bring them back to you know that version of them that they care about and you just see them getting farther and farther and farther away from you know from that point and seeing how that character deals with it you know what i mean so right. yeah what was different too is the point of view that there, yes. the, the, the yeah. villain wasn't on the other side the right. villain was on our side as far as what yep. we're viewing like mm -hmm. we're we're rolling with the villain as far as our point of view in this movie yeah and and that for me that well I just personally i was like 12 years old when i rented fucking akira from blockbuster like dead ass I fucking read that <laughs> shit. Did not know what the fuck I was doing. Yeah. Watched that shit. And I was like, oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. What did I do? What did I do? <laughs> I fucked oh, up. I fucked up. up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Timeless. So, Timeless yeah. classic. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So good yeah. shit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's that's all I really had to say on it. It's just a different kind of villain, you know, that, and, and, and when I when I when I started, you know, this segment, I kind of like said that Tetsuo kind of like hits all the marks. You know in my parameter but like he really doesn't but he <laughs> <laughs> but he's still like classic noxie yeah yeah <laughs> he but hits all of them but, but still none of them. but still he's an he's an overwhelming threat he has the pathos he there's relatability there you know what i mean you get development but like he's not very charismatic and you know and 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 in regards to like 
it's a body it becomes a body horror so it's like he's not really all that great to look at he, he doesn't he doesn't influence the man like he doesn't rally like a lot you know no. like you know what i mean like it's just a crazy guy going crazy with crazy psionic powers that rip you apart and throw you around the room it's um it's amazing to see but like a perfect villain tetsuo probably isn't but one of my favorites nonetheless so yeah who's next good pick good pick uh, i think silver should go i think silver should go. let's go what you all got? right um I got Gendo Akari from Evangelion. Okay. Wow. Oh, did not okay. see that coming. Okay. That's nice. Dad Award. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And where he's not like the established bad guy, he is pretty much the established overlord of Shinji and the rest of them, that uh, rest of the characters, because he's running Nerve. And... He's yeah. a villain because he's ruthless towards our main character. He's completely, he's just like the worst father. He's completely yeah. distant. He's One of them, yeah. Does not show an inch of respect towards him. And he was gone for most of his life, too. Yeah. So that really doesn't help. Fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. And, you know, he's, he does not, he doesn't care as long as his goal is met. And he even has bosses above him that, like, are saying, hey, we need this prod this human instrumentality project to go through. You need to be a team player. And Gendo's like, Yeah, I'll do that. And secretly he's like, nah, fuck that. I need to be reunited with my dead wife and all that. So Yeah. Yeah. So you get like these um, side motivations like outside of like what you are normally like originally like initially met with that like kinda like gives you a little bit more insight into exactly what he's thinking and what he's trying to do yeah and but you, you know but we you get... never stray away from okay this guy sucks you, you know, know I mean? no yeah, no, yeah. no he always sucks yeah. <laughs> and, and the tragic the tragic part is there's like a couple of scenes that we see him and shinji where it's like he actually kind of opens up to him right for yeah. like and then just no it's not yeah. enough hold exterior i'm you <laughs> yeah. know he's people are working the shining him. glasses in the light oh <laughs> Bro, yeah. the nerve round table is one of the fucking oh. like most. I'm just with like the, with the tree of light above him and yeah, shit. Bro. Oh man, it's like, fuck, wow. it's so good. <laughs> but yeah, uh, he's just a piece of shit. I yeah. mean, there's no no other way to say. It. Like he just takes advantage of his son and uh, treats him. You know, just like hey, basically, if you can't get in this fucking giant mech monster that you synchronize your body with and any damage mm -hmm. it takes you take and it's like yeah. if you don't do that to fucking defend our fucking planet then you're a little bitch yeah. like, yeah. like i don't want to see you again ever. yeah this is yeah. fucked up dude but i mean i kind of get it in the sense of shinji and asuka and fucking um ray are the only ones that can pilot ava yeah. and if they don't the planet's gone so yep they're all different levels of broken too so it's like, yeah <laughs> yes. Hell yeah they all got yes. their own thing but yeah uh yes. gendo akari gendo baby shit yeah, yeah any any smashing uh blondie what's her name again man uh, oh uh, akagi. akagi yes akagi oh my god he's smashing akagi get him out of here but he's mom. trying to clone and, and, and her mom and he's trying to clone his wife and it's her like, mom yep uh, <laughs> Gendo is awesome shit. Like intergenerational nice, like, straight up blown. He said, "What a fuck!" It, dude, it's been so, it, it's been so long since I've, we've talked about Evangelion like four or five times on this channel, and like, 
But like briefly, we didn't There's go so like much that happens yeah. and like it's. Just... I made. <laughs> I made the mistake of watching that all in one weekend. I wanted to fucking kill. You're myself. tripping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like some you gotta take killing. a couple breaks here and there. Yeah, that does some oh. psychological damage to you. Yeah. Oh. Watching Evangelion, yeah. like I gotta go to work on Monday. I'd, I'd watch like four <laughs> Disney movies to counteract that shit. Yeah, <laughs> nuts. Oh man. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Right, Gendo, well, Gendo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my pick. Yeah, good pick. Okay. Great pick. All right, I can Thank go you. next then. I can go next. Um, yeah. All right, well, I got none other than the Black Angel, Shinobu Sensui. Uh, Let's go, baby. I love Sensui <laughs> so much because, especially at the time when I was getting those Yu Yu Hakusho episodes, yeah. like, I. I mean, I may still dress in a lot of black, but like back then, I was really dressing in black. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was uh, like, and, and I'm a tall, lanky, long neck ass Shinobu since we looking. <laughs> All you're missing is the Jerry curl. Yeah, oh, no, 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 you need that. Yeah, yeah. I need, and and I could have got that back in the day, but I can't do that now. But whatever. Uh, but no, no. I just, I just love Shinobu for so many reasons. Like. Uh, since we has six different personalities, which yeah. he needs, well, on top of his own Shinobu yeah. since is his core, who he is. And then he bursts into this, he's given a job by Koenma to, uh, stop these humans from going through this. It's called the, the feast of human vices, where it's basically, they're just torturing demons. And basically the roles are flipped where the humans are the demons and the demons are the, or, you know, like the demons are the victims. Yes. Where humans are just being like the biggest pieces of shit they can do. Which was an incredible angle to go into in this story at this point too, especially coming out of the dark tournament arc where, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it it was, it was, it was a, a new direction, something totally different. And like Yusuke, our main character, you know, wouldn't have, it's unbothered by this because he's not as uh, he's not an intellectual like you know since we is like since we's got a lot going on yusuke is just like i'm about to throw hands like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know like always and, and, and so fucking it, it's just it's just so tight because once he bursts into the mansion of this fucking you know ritual festival thing that's going on where humans are torturing fucking demons in the most gruesome nasty ways possible uh you know he loses his mind and kills all those humans first time you know he hurts what he in his mind were you know righteous beings he had like a very black and white sense of morality like demons are bad humans are good that's that and when when he breaks into this shit it, it really fucking just fucks his whole view up on everything and so he kills a bunch of these humans that were doing all this fucking shitty stuff and uh that's when he creates his first second personality uh kazuya kazuma kazuya i think kazuya. It's kazuya. yeah where he's just the crazy fucking guy who will murder and be ruthless and all that kind of shit and <laughs> and it's 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 Take awesome because <laughs> it's awesome because like throughout the chapter black arc of yu yu show it's not shinobu sensui that we're actually dealing with we're dealing right. with minoru yeah. his person is other personality who's the the very likable very yes. charismatic fucking uh coercive you know uh guy who can bring people onto his side yes. all the best words you know yes. like and and it was great to see their interactions him and yusuke because 
that shit don't work on Yusuke. Yusuke's like, I don't understand all this shit you say. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I, my, my gut telling me one thing, and I'm throwing hands because of that. That's it. That's it. Yeah, so you're, like, you're getting you're getting, it, you're getting socked in your jaw just off the way I feel. Like, I don't care what yeah. you say to me. And Chapter Black is so important because, like you were saying a little bit, like it does kind of like flip your POV around in regard to how you view what's right and what's wrong in this world that's been established so far. So yeah. You know, and, and that's what makes Sensui such a great villain is because Sensui was one of the first villains that I was like, I don't think I want him to lose. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know what I mean? So Pour the head on yeah, that one, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? So and that, that was massive, you know, in regard to my forming of my idea of what good versus evil looks like in anime. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and, and I kind of related to Tagoro a little bit too, but like only from like a barbaric, like warrior standpoint in the story up until that point. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you could, because we had gotten a couple stories here and there where it's just a really strong dude that's waiting for someone to beat his ass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and well, that's and, what Tagoro was for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and outside of that, like meathead philosophy of where's the stronger opponent that can release me from this, you know, this boredom basically that I have on some Saitama yeah. shit. You know, yeah, on some yeah, Boros yep. shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, there was a little bit more depth that that that, that went into Tagoro in, in that regard, yeah. but because obviously you get like a lot of like his background with Genkai and whatnot. Yes. You know, before he made that deal, but Sensui really took that that to a, a different level in regards to that morality line being blurred. You know what I mean? And and it made more sense on a logical front, on a rational front. You know what I mean? Like you still knew that he had to be whooped, but it felt like i don't want to use the word dirty but like it just didn't feel as right when he lost than it yeah. did with Taguro. you know what i mean he was so, almost yeah. as much a victim as he was a villain yeah like that was yeah, yeah. exactly that was oh. and, and i mean i guess you can kind of say that with Taguro too but like way more for sensui and like that was the first yeah. time where like an, an antagonist lost and i was and, and i just had like a bad taste in my mouth you know what i mean and like that's huge as a writer to be able to do you know well, it's I mean? the first antagonist you get that's a human. Exactly, it's, it's all been demons, yep. all yeah. been demons, yep. and it's yeah. like they all have some kind of like you know, whatever wicked fucking plan or whatever the hell they're doing, and, yeah. and why they're clearly evil. Except for actually, elder or uh, not elder, younger Tagoro, yeah, uh, was very. He was pretty much a good guy who really just wanted to fight. He wanted he was the strongest Garo. fight possible. I mean, yeah, yeah. he just wants to he fight. Was he just wants the strongest fight possible. He has it's a like, very similar story to Garo. Because it's like he only kills Genkai. Well, I guess I can't say he only kills Genkai because of he, he just wants Yusuke to be as strong as he possibly can be. And like yeah. when Genkai, like, I don't know what you want to call it, just like takes over Pooh's body, I guess. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. Pooh's floating over like, hey, Taguro, you want to get the fucking strongest Yusuke possible? Go kill one of his friends. And he's like, oh, bet. <laughs> Kumabara, where you at? You know, like, you know. So like, he he, he and, and he didn't even kill Kumabara. He like intentionally missed vitals because yeah, it's just yeah. like he 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 just wants the strongest fight. Where there was still a little bit of humanity there too, which I think was the point yeah. that Togashi was trying to write. Well, and that's and I love you, Hakusho, and that's why I didn't want to pick Tagore and I wanted to pick Sensui because, yeah, well, if, and I just align more with Sensui, yeah, regardless, because the relatability I, I, is definitely way more there for Sensui than it was for Tagore anyway. And that was one thing I forgot to add. And what makes a great villain villain is, can you see yourself in their place? Yes. Like, could yeah. you see 
you know like yeah. being even coerced by this person could you follow this person you know like if i if, follow sense we dog like if you're right i get a territory <laughs> yeah come yeah. on bro territory. what's cracking <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think that uh you obviously you have to go through some kind of like fucked up trauma to yeah. want to like follow some of these kind of people yeah, yeah, but sure. like it, you know since we in all of his the the other six psychics that he had with him um they all had some kind of you know kind of tragic backstory not I, I guess we didn't get into all of them but we got into a lot of them where like you know like there was especially like the ones that turned good like the game master was like some kid that was just neglected and he just sat in a fucking arcade all the time or whatever and and, and i don't know was easily coerced into this because whatever didn't understand the magnitude of the situation yeah you know it's things like that where um you know if maybe you're naive to the situation or you're uh you know just jaded by whatever bad shit you went through you could fo follow somebody like this you know or or see you know the good and what they're talking about yeah um but uh, a couple a couple quick things to finish this off is that uh not only do uh since we and the six other psychics he rounds up because he says the seven of us will burrow a hole or whatever yeah. and and when um god one of one of the psychics can read minds and they read read that mind and, and they were like okay so it's it's him and his six psychics and it was like no it's him and his six personalities yes him and all six of himself are the one are gonna dig that hole and him and all six of his personalities not not only that but him and the six of his psychics both represented seven deadly sins and they all had you know one you know, it, 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 right. it's crazy parallel how yeah. they could do his six personalities or seven total with this actual being and then him and his six psychics to pick that that they did that and like i, I don't remember exactly like who's who like i remember like elder tagoro is um i want to say he's gluttony because you know uh yeah. he just like absorbs and Everything. what he just takes it in yeah and yeah. that kind of shit but but yeah they they were all you know metaphors that. yeah yeah mm -hmm. definitely absolutely so, but yeah, one of my favorite uh and the Rashuyakin style, man. I just love yes, big ass bro. long legs kicking <laughs> pure gold legs. I love kickers. His... Like me too. Yeah. More than punchers. Me too. Spirit gun what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to this fucking roundhouse kick this ball kick. at you. Yeah, like, Walker, yeah, Texas yeah. Ranger, you're goof. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the the uh explanation on the Rashuyakin style was like really tight too yeah. when Genki Genkai is explaining he's like Rashuyakin is the most elegant style of martial arts known to man. You can't even learn it until you've mastered all other styles of martial arts yeah. before you're even able to, you know. And it's just tight that you know he would, his energy would just form in front of him. Like he wouldn't use his hands or anything. Like just a ball. Like you just see these like tiny little fucking energy particles form this little ball in front of him. Then he kicked that bitch, boom, yeah. you know. And yeah. that shit was. I, I just I loved his his whole shit. Yes, everything about Sensui is great. That's an incredible pick. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. Moving into a lightning round here, I just have a couple that I wanted to highlight, and then you guys can go ahead and fire off whoever you want. But I want to talk about Esteth from Akame Got Kill real quick because Esteth scary bitch, is super scary, and and she kind of like falls like along the lines of you know a villain that has people that are rallied to her cause, like kind of like halfway because of fear and halfway because of her charisma. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the people that follow her like wave and um 
an old girl i always forget her name but she has the she has the 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 that like animal like bite her body part so she gets a different weapon i can't remember exactly what her tegu is called but like and and obviously there are some like things that i want to say it's koro yeah yeah i think it is koro but like obviously they have a couple screws loose you know uh in their personalities as well i mean besides wave really he's the most relatable member of her team but she fits the bill of a villain because of how overwhelming her power is in regard to like how is the main character going to beat this because her tegu is busted you know what i'm saying yeah. like just complete control over ice to the point where she can stop time which is nuts yeah. wow and and you have these danger beasts that are like of varying levels and whatnot and she's just soloing them one-shotting them like you know and you get her and you get her back you get you know or you get her backstory and whatnot where she's been ruthless for a long time you know what i mean and, and it makes sense why these people are following her but you have even though she rules with an iron fist people are just genuinely attracted to her which is a, a trait in villains that i feel like is really important especially in the newer generation of things you know what i mean so i wanted to i wanted to highlight esteth there a little bit um another another villain that i wanted to highlight actually somebody else go first because i kind of just like lost it from my mind <laughs> i kind of kind of like slipped my mind who's got a lightning round pick they want to fire off while i think about this i think one we could talk about quickly is like orochimaru yeah because, bro fuck yeah that's what i had on mine he fuck was yeah. he was he was unique in that like he was a villain where you've seen him get handled a couple times but like you honestly never knew if he was done for like yeah. he, he would always just fucking melt the bag like yep. literally, literally like orochimaru, naraku anytime <laughs> yeah like anytime you see orochimaru get taken out you're like yeah. Unbelievable. But he'll be back, oh, though. He'll be back. <laughs> You're like, he's coming Wearing back. new skin and everything. He's coming back. That's a Ron Burgundy. I don't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. So, you, and that's another angle of a villain that, like, I don't feel like we've touched on really is, is outside of everything else that you can say about him, it's like the comeback factor is really intense. Yeah. You know, and, and, I, and I feel like we can talk about Naraku in the same breath because he's on that same shit. You know, so I feel like I feel like both of those are like really good in tandem to kind of like bring up in a lightning round. Yeah, what do you got on your list, Silvers? Oh, uh, my list. Yeah, uh, like Vincent a, like Bellagio quick, like, from who? Uh, Vincent Bellagio from the Cowboy Bebop movie. I would say the movie on the train. Oh, on the train. Ah, I saw that shit in the theater. Ah. That's the first anime movie I ever seen in a theater. That is, yeah, me too. I, me too. Straight up. No, nice, no, no, no. Nice. I think I saw Pokemon first movie first. Well, Pokemon doesn't count. Why? I don't know. It does. <laughs> But I, well, that was before too. that was before Cowboy Bebop, though, right? Pokemon yeah, first I movie. saw Pokemon first movie because yeah, because Cowboy Bebop movie yeah. was like 2001, right? Yeah, it was early. And really I don't awesome. think we got in America till like 2003. 2003. Yeah. I thought yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. I thought I was damn near an adult by the time. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Hell yeah, though. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, he just you know opens up you know he's just walking on this like open pass and all of a sudden explosion behind him and yes. you know we find out he's just this badass super soldier that wants to you know wreck uh wreck chaos on everything because you know he got effed over by the government and yeah. leave it to our our lucky bounty hunter team to go after this guy and we see some of the best fucking fights yes him and spike yes and Probably one of the best uh, 1v1s, but yeah. yeah. That train shit goes so hard. When he hits him with that I, Kalima. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Dripping the gunshot. In my ribs. Like, oh my God. Oh. 
Yeah, dude, that shit was so. You, that shit was so like, like I felt that in the spot that Spike was feeling oh, it. You know what I was, mean? Like, right? Like, oh, uh, you know. And I feel like that was like the biggest threat. And obviously, it's meant to be up until that point. You know what I mean? Like, because I'm pretty sure. I don't even think that I had seen all of Cowboy Bebop before I watched that movie. I mean, hmm. you don't have to. I mean, it yeah. takes no. place like in the middle of the series. So yeah. I mean, yeah, you could pretty much watch that as a standalone movie yeah, without seeing yeah. the anime at all. Yeah, I, but think. I was just like, Spike, yeah. what's going on, bro? <laughs> like, Ooh. I was like, Dude, come not... on. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like every, you know, that thing where people were like, Keanu Reeves should be Spike. I'm like, Dude, oh. Keanu Reeves now would be a badass fucking Vincent. Yes. Yeah, he looks bro. like Vincent. Beard that's and everything. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Never do live action. Get Keanu on that Vincent shit. That yeah. would be incredible. And he's got the martial arts background. Bro, who's gonna be Spike in the live action adaptation? Fucking Harold uh, from Harold and Kumar. Oh my god, I remember that now. Wow. Hey, let's see what he does. So, you know? Yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you, we don't ex we didn't expect it, and you don't know what to think. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just gonna go into it with an open mind. Yeah, yeah, for it's sure. By Netflix, so whole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well <laughs> good, good, well, yeah. good, good pick there, Silvers. What you got? What you got Thank you. One, one quick one. I got just as uh, you know, man. We talk about Kenshin a lot, but like Shishio was very fucking scary. Dude, like, Shishio just... was in super important to the story Holy too. Shit. So it's like he was the biggest villain in the story. So. And I just love, I love when um, Hoji is his name, his like assistant dude who yeah. wasn't with the Jupon Gatana and was like, he's like, you know, the guy who's kind of, I mean, Shishio obviously has the big plan, but this guy's got like other, the, like the background plans going yeah. on, you know, to make yeah. sure the big plan happens, yeah. I guess, and setting up all the other shit. And he's like, hey. I don't think like the shit you got going on is, you know, the most efficient. I think we can make this a little bit more efficient in some way. And Shishio like takes off his fucking glove and just like grabs him by the skull yes. and his hand is like burning oh, on burning so on him. Yeah. And, and and then Oji's like, I see it. Ah, you know, like I, I see the light <laughs> of getting my my skull burnt, you know, and it's like you yes. just you just, you know, undergone a baptism, a baptism by fire from Shishio or whatever, you yeah, know. And yeah. that, Stuff like that, where ah, yeah, that, that's that what it was. Sword man, I mean, man, uh, oh man, it was more. It was more so the the sword was the sword was crazy, but it was more so the fat that he soaked it in. Yeah, well, that that's it, it's, like it's the, not that he soaked it in; it's that it was it was serrated like very yeah, yeah, very yeah, very yeah, finely yeah. skin and all that. that, that yeah. Anytime he cut a body, that the fat just soaked yes. into the blade yes. or whatever, oh, and yes. so mm -hmm. yeah, man. The the homuradama, the fucking flyer, homuradama, yeah, 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 for sure, and and and. Shishio's design yeah. is was is so incredible because like it was one of the first times that I was like super intimidated. I don't want to say it's the first time because I was really scared of Legato too. But like but Legato more so because of the, the character that we learned about. Yeah. His design his design was pretty intimidating too, but like Shishio more more so is like a burnt mummy man. Yeah, like like holy shit, if I saw this motherfucker in person. Like, bro, like, if you're walking down the street, I'm crossing the street to pass you. <laughs> and he succeeded Kenshin. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And then picked it up after he left. Yes. Yep, yep. He oh. was the uh, manslayer in the shadows. Well, yeah. Kenshin was the manslayer in the front or yeah. whatever. Yeah, straight up. And uh, fucking, man, Shishio just had 
I mean, he, he definitely had charisma. Like he, yeah. he, these people followed him because even though he was so like, ugly, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. motherfuckers yeah, were glued to his hip. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you mean giving him the bath and everything? Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. It's one of like the scariest like scenes too. Like when you get Sojiro's backstory and Sojiro just like runs out of the shed and comes around the corner. Yeah, and see Shishio and like his bandages are loose too, and yes. he's like oh, see like yes. skin, yeah, everything. Like you can see skin and stuff, and he just Ooh. he cuts one dude. The dude's trying to slice like this, and the fucking he cuts him right at the elbows, yes. and both arms fall off, yeah. and then he like splits him down the middle. You're oh. like, he just literally cut a human being all the way down a half, and yes. he, it's, it's like this like, isn't like one of these just gruesome to be gruesome animes, like yeah. either. You know, there like, was a this point is, to that. Yeah, like yeah. he. This is like a display of power. Like he could literally split a human skeleton like that. Like that shit is wild, yes. you know. And, Another one of those. Like how is different. the how is the protagonist going to deal with this kind of situation? But like inside of a less superhuman story than you're you might be used to in seeing something like that. Because we're at S death on like the side of overwhelming superpower side of thing. How is the protagonist going to beat this? Shishio is a little bit more grounded, yeah. but he's still doing things that like all right, wait a minute, you shouldn't be able to do this, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, 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 for sure. Shishio's an incredible pick, yeah. And yeah. um, and I might as well, just as like my last like lightning round touch, I just want to talk about Legato, because Legato was the first time where, and I said it before on this channel, I think in the first classic animated episode that we had with classic, but Legato was the first time that there was a situation posed with the main character where even if they win, they lost. You know what I mean? So like it creates this this like cringy, like awkward situation where it's like you want Vash to do the damn thing, but if he does, then Legato gets what he wanted. And yeah, and how is that going to be for Vash? You know what I mean? Like you have this moral dilemma here where, you know, and it goes back to it's it's it, it's kind of hard for me to explain exactly where I'm coming from with it, but people who have seen Bash the Stampede know what I'm talking. You know, that, people who have seen Trigun know what I'm talking about. It's like that scene where he's like, "Kill me, or I'm gonna kill everybody else." What do you want to do? Yeah. Are you gonna and... kill me and like cross that path that you don't want to? You cross that line you don't want to cross, and then you're no better than me or no better than us over here with the gung ho guns. You know what I'm saying? Like. You know, or are you going to do what you have to do for the good of everybody else? And you don't know which one you want more because you want to side with yeah. Vash and his ideals and you want him to deal with Legato in a way where he could still be Vash, yeah. but he's not really that presented part. with a way to do that. No. You know what no. I mean? Legato knows what, what Vash's line is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he pushes him to it and wants him to come over. And it's always a scary situation where you have a villain that doesn't, that isn't afraid of death. And actually invites nope. it you know what yeah. i mean because then it's like are you really coming out on top at the end of this conflict if you do what you need to do like and you're sitting there like what other way can he win like vash <laughs> doesn't have any other powers besides yeah. blow you to smithereens you know what i mean like there's no there's no binding there's no you know there's no like you know t- there's no talk no jutsu like really you know what i mean like there's yeah just not nah. there's just rinse this motherfucker or watch well, everybody die you know and what I mean? that's perfect because that was gonna be one of my personal picks and i can keep going on it legato? Really because yeah well because legato i got legato and knives and i wanted to do them both do you because that's, oh yeah, because it's it's one of these times rarely where you get two villains in the same series yeah. where 
they're both have their own shit where they're both scary for their own reasons yes and they both have their purposes and especially like if you've read the manga too because yeah. trigon there's a, there's more to trigon than the anime of course and, and that's kind of how a lot of those 26 episode animes go where yeah, like yeah. They're, they're trying to condense a bigger story in 26 yeah. episodes. And I feel like Trigon does a wonderful job of it. But they don't really get to tell you, like, Legato's backstory. And and Legato was a sex slave. And um, Knives yeah. basically wipes out this fucking, you know, sex slave fucking village. You so know, now you have Pathos. And you, yes. and, you know, and you don't think that you're going to get that for someone who's introduced as someone on that side of crazy that you don't think you'll ever be able to relate to or care for. Yeah. yeah. Well, and especially because like, man, Legato's so crazy because, so he has like telekinetic powers. Yeah. And the reason for that is because Knives shoots off Vash's left arm and Legato con connects that left arm to his body. And now he has some of the abilities of a plant because that's what they are. They're a plant. Like their their race is a plant. Vash and knives are the because knives is in here too. Where yeah. Vash has to. You've already touched on it. Make this de decision on: Am I going to kill Legato because his telekinetic power is basically making people kill each other? Yeah. And in in the anime towards the end, the the. The final point where Vash does have to sit there and just blast him point blank, blow his brains out right in front of him. Yeah, it's because he's about to make all these fucking people about to rape Mary and uh, Meryl and Millie. Meryl and Millie, yeah, yeah, and and uh, you know he does it, of course, and he's that was like such a lost. A huge moment for the story. It, it was, it was, and Legato does a lot of things to further the the despair of vash like right with the first time you see him he like shows up in the town that vash is like playing with kids they're like playing you know soccer or whatever with these kids and fucking legato just like crosses his path and like yeah the anime does it so well with the fucking sky turns red and yes. the fucking the guitar riff like yeah, you know like yeah. crazy shit you know and it was it was so good and, and i like, liken that to that scene where deku like first encounters tamura yeah in it's my very because they're both theory. sitting on the benches yeah and and oh shit yeah. and they have a tele uh telepathic conversation. uh conversation yeah, yeah because legato says you know like death is intoxicating like i could kill every man woman and child in this whole town in a blink of an eye if i wanted to you know and it's like but if i did you know you know like what are you going to do you know basically like uh, are you going to just kill me or you know but that's not what we're here for i'm not going to do that yeah and i'm basically here to tell you that your life's going to end and i'm about to send these demons after you the gung-ho guns yeah. and in the manga he gives them this coin case where it says each gung-ho gung has a different coin to put in the to the case and once you get them all then you can you can face knives basically like you can't even do it yeah. until you get all these coins which that's not how it goes in the anime but it's really basically the same thing and it's crazy too because with that tele telepathic fucking ability that he has you know he's <clears throat> He's talking with Vash, and at the same time, he makes that little, like, eight-year-oldish girl walk up to him. Yes. And, like, grabs her by the fucking head. Yes. Rips the shit up. Yeah. And then 
Bash turns around like he's about to shoot, and then Legato's just sitting here. It's like a this, telepathic never, image. Yeah, you're like, yeah, I never did never anything. Did what I do you never mean? Did shit, yeah, you know, what like, are you doing? And then the guitar riff, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. they did, they did a wonderful job. So, like, and in then, regard so, to like the Vash and like, or in regard to the knives and Legato relationship, I know that you touched yep. a little bit on that, but like, well, that's as, where, yeah, as villains, like, I feel like Legato was scarier than Knives was. Well, and that's because of the anime, yeah. and because in the manga, Knives is scarier, but he's on some other shit you get more you get more of him is yeah, the thing yeah, yeah. you don't get a lot it, of them in the anime no because the anime vash blasts him away with the angel arm and he's sitting in containment getting like healed basically yeah, yeah, for yeah, the yeah. last like 25 years where the gung-ho guns are getting you know established or 20 years or whatever because they're 130 years old you yeah. know like but uh yeah so knives you get to see with the rem save rem episode with their kids on that project seed spaceship yes and and knives starts to see the flaws of human human beings basically because there's that one dude who's like a super broy dude yeah he's like and he tries broken. to force himself on rem yeah not not rem no, the not other rem. girl the, the the girl with the the glasses i don't even know if she has a name but he gropes her one time and then like does some other shit and then she's like and, chill and then he's yeah, like yeah. chill yeah well how dare other, you well and the other like you know nerdy looking dude on the ship is in love with her and so yeah like, yeah 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 and and uh knives basically coerces them to you know set that dude up to get frozen and they yeah. like re cryogenically right. freeze him, and he's screaming like i didn't do anything and he's like he raped me he raped me yeah. she's saying and, and like that never actually happened right. but knives convinced them to do that to yeah. get him out of there yeah and then after that happens uh, that nerd dude's like, yeah, I said it, so he'll never wake up. He's dead yeah, in there, you yeah, know. And she's like, that's not what I wanted. We we just wanted to freeze him. Like he, yeah. we wanted him to come back. Like I wasn't a part of this murder. Yeah. And then that dude killed. And he's the like, girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that shit, you know, the, and then the signing, the reflection on the glasses. <laughs> Oh and my god, it. and then his eyes when he tweaks out finally, bro, that's one yeah. of the scariest moments in fucking, in, in, when I was a kid, you know, coming up. Yeah, right and like, it's just, it's it's crazy how, like, Knives at, you know, they've only been alive for a year, too, because yeah, yeah. that, that guy's flipping out, he's like, they're monsters, they've only been alive for a year, and they already look like they're 12 years old or whatever, yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know, and it's, it's just such a good, uh, you know, just the path to how Knives, yeah. you know, because he's like, is you can kind of like like you see it from his point of view and yeah. like you know you don't agree with it but at the same time is like you can't help but like relate to what he's witnessing from his point of view you know what i'm yeah. saying like he just doesn't have the education of what's right and wrong but like this yeah. is his upbringing of what he's experiencing so well, of course this is the path he takes yeah he's not listening to, not, to rem yeah he's exactly. not listening to rem like yeah. vashes like vashes yeah. like being taught by rem to be compassionate and loving and stuff and they're out in that like simulated like prairie earth earth prairie yeah, yeah, yeah exactly right, right where there's like a fucking spider there's a butterfly caught in the spider web and the yes that, the, oh my god that and, analogy and, and, is incredible and fucking and knives just grabs the spider and kills the spider and vash's like what the hell's wrong with you and he's like i saved the fucking butterfly so you know like yeah. the, the he's like i kill spiders so the butterflies can live and vash is like i want them both to live and he's yeah. like attacks fucking knives and they're like getting a fist and knives is like how are they both gonna live the yeah, spiders gotta eat yeah and the, the butterfly is yeah. not strong enough to live yeah. so like either the butterfly is gonna die 
or we kill the spider so that the butterfly can live. Like they're not going to run into each other and go, let's talk this out and then part their separate ways and go find food elsewhere. This is a Darwinistic ecosystem. Yes. Where it's the, the, the you know, the, the strong survive and the weak and, and the weak are eaten. You know what I'm saying? And like, Knives has that point of view the whole time yeah. where Vash is under Rem's philosophy of we can make things good for everybody if yes. we try hard enough. Like yes. we can do it. Like we yes. just haven't found out the way. And that's basically the theme of that whole entire story is that Vash will not kill anybody and he'll put his body on the line to save anybody at any time. Even people that are pieces of shit, he'll save them and put his yes. body on the line for them because nobody has the right to kill another person yeah. and that we're going to find the way we're going to find the right way. Yeah. So incredible, incredible writing in that story in regards to very much morality and, and right and wrong and good and evil. It was a great, great, great pick. And, and I, and I love how you had that tandem pick there with, with knives and they, Legato, they go actually. hand in hand. They do really? go hand in hand. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, since you, since that's kind of like one of your personal picks, we might as well just go into like another round of our yeah. personal picks. I mean, honestly, yeah, I definitely. feel like I feel like it's kind of like running a little long. So let, let's all just do one more each, and then kind of round the conversation off. And then if yeah. we have to revisit the topic at a later time, we definitely can. Yeah. Um. So Eagle, what do you got? What's the last one you want to talk about tonight? The one I want to talk about, and I've talked about it a little bit before. I think in the emotional scenes, Charlotte kind of curry. Let's go. Hey. He, I was waiting for a one piece pick, bro, because how do you man? There's so many. There is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. to me, this is like the most it's just the closest to home, really, because as I said in the emotional one, like when we first meet him, he's like a stone cold type of villain where yeah. he's like all about business, badass, like, you know, highest bounty I think we had seen up until that point. Yeah. And um and he's just all about the business, getting shit done. The only one in the wedding that was like calm, collected, just like about that action, deducing what the fuck was happening. He filled the cannons with mochi and shit. Yeah. All that shit. And then <laughs> yeah. when the fight with Luffy started, he's like totally looking down on this motherfucker. Like, I will copy all your moves, do your shit better, make you look like an absolute fool. But it's a mirror Luffy match, but to, not really because yeah. I'm that much better than you. Yeah. And in more ways than one, because as he starts to kind of be moved in respect, Luffy, you see how they're very similar. Yeah. In more, you know, in more than just the way of their powers. Like Katakuri, when he was younger, he's a lot like Luffy in that he's like, you know, yeah, robust goofball. out there. Yeah, he's a goofball. And yeah. he, I would imagine that if he wasn't born into pretty much slavery, he probably would be someone like Luffy that wants to set out to sea and, yeah. and do his own thing with his life and shit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just liked how throughout the fight, he started to respect Luffy. Yeah, and his and character is handled that'll so... that'll happen because... Because how Mihawk can you said. not? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly what Mihawk said. Like, probably his yeah. most frightening power is the ability to rally anyone around him to his cause. And mm -hmm. you see that in the fight, but I think one of the coolest things about Katakuri is that, like, he's introduced the way that you said Eagle as, like, this stone-cold, you know, like, you don't want to call him a henchman because you understand what his role is in, in the bigger picture here, but, like, you think yeah. that he's just, like, a all-for-big-mom kind of, kind of person, and he is, but you can tell that there's a little bit more to that, and you get more of his character throughout his fight with Luffy, you know, as, as the fight progresses that... It, it, 
it's it's handled a little bit more like a little bit differently in one piece than it usually is in, in conventional stories where while there's downtime you might get a focus on a character outside of conflict you might get focused on the villain that, that gives you a little bit more insight into who he is but throughout this fight because it's one of the only settings you see katakuri in his combat you get yeah. his character development and progression throughout this fight with luffy that that brings like a, a crazy significance to you know the combat that you're that you're experiencing and it's like just like when he when he thinks he's beaten luffy and then he goes in to go max on some donuts you know what i'm saying and you get like donuts donuts donuts, donuts. <laughs> and, you, and, you, yeah. and you finally see him in the little hut with his with his big ass chipmunk cheeks full of fucking donuts oh and shit. And it's just like that good old Oda, yeah. you know, <laughs> twists and subversion, you know, that, that that you don't see anywhere else that really makes you go, this is a completely different character than I than I thought he was. And it's and, and you can tell that it's like kind of like co to comedic levels, but you still take it really seriously, even though it's very lighthearted and comedic. You know what I mean? And yeah. there's just no one else that can do that besides Oda in a way that's not laughable. You're like, I'm gonna drop the book type shit. You know what I'm saying? Like he he finds a way to organically weave this humor into this, you know, serious situation, you know, and and it's just it's just so beautiful the way that he's able to paint that picture for you while still maintaining the stakes of the situation at hand. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And at the end it was really crazy for me how like you almost realize he's like he's someone who's trapped in fucking servitude because yeah. he yeah. realizes what he is for his family yeah and can't go do his own thing because you know yeah it it would just it would be detrimental to people that he loves silvers it's the last one you want to talk about tonight yeah i mean since we're on the subject of one piece I gotta talk about Blackbeard. Yeah, for sure. For yes, sure. nice. Um, yeah. I mean, this guy just <laughs> brushes his teeth with a twelve gauge. I swear to God. <laughs> um, but no, I I really dig Blackbeard as like villain, and the fact that Oda kind of did this whole slow burn with him, where you know he's first introduced, uh, I think, in the Jai Drum. arc. Yeah. No drum, drum. Well, they drum. talk about him first in drum. Yeah, because yeah, he actually first in drum. Yeah, he yeah. wipes drum, and that's why Wapple runs away. Right, 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 right. But when uh, when Luffy first meets Blackbeard, they have yes. this kind of antagonistic, you know, sh uh, showdown between the two in the in the saloon. But uh, he also has this kind of um, ideal about him. Like yeah. he has this like whole thing when it comes to you know, hey, don't don't let uh fate define what you can be you know yeah. go out and get it and stuff like that and then you know as we as we see he is far and above more of a pirate in the traditional sense than yeah. luffy as you know he's far more antagonistic doesn't really care about you know the uh well-being of villagers and stuff like that and but at the same time though like i feel like if we were reading this story through the eyes of blackbeard he needed everything the same way we would mm -hmm. be like yeah you know what yeah. i mean like we would we would be like yeah go ahead you know what i mean like he's he's written in a way where obviously he's opposing the main character so you have to root for his demise right but he at the same time it's like if we were pirates in this world we would probably be going about it a similar way as him right yeah and uh he really picks up the uh the villain title when he goes after ace yeah. Acento. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't use that word with me. That's disrespectful to call me that shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, I, I love that so much. Oh yeah. But uh 
we find out that not only, you know, him going after Ace, but we find out that he was also part of Ace's crew, and he just straight up murdered one of their crew, which had is Whitebeard's. Get, had to get that fruit, baby. Had to get Gosh. that fruit. <laughs> and, you know, as, as we come to learn, you know, Whitebeard's crew is a family, so him killing a brother, you know, that ain't gonna fly with Ace. Yeah. No. Fuck no. Yeah. And... The dialogue that they have, like, even says so, where he's like, hey, you understand the magnitude of this situation. Like, you killed one of us, right? Yeah. Like, you, go, like don't, don't fucking play dumb when I'm yeah. talking to you right now. Like, I, yeah. I just love how Ace addressed that whole shit yeah. right there. Yeah, straight up. And then, you know, they have their fight, and, of course, you know, Ace unfortunately loses because fucking... Blackbeard's broken. Blackbeard's <laughs> broken. Oh, he's got the darkness, darkness fruit. Yeah. And then... To add insult to injury, we uh, he's not only the one that turns in Ace, but you know shows up at uh, Marin Ford, having just broken out the worst of the worst from Impel Down. Yes, recruits them, and this is like in the moment, you know, this is you know Marin Ford had been going on for some time. Both both. Uh, Whitebeard and the Marines have seen some some casualties. Whitebeard himself has this fucking hole in his Gaping chest. Gaping hole shit. in his chest. Ooh. Stab wound through the heart on some Jesus <laughs> of Nazareth <laughs> shit. Squardo's bitch ass. Damn. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and, you know, just decides to, hey, you know, you're my adoptive father. I'm just gonna take your shit now. Yeah. Yeah, man. And it's so and massive, then, like like knowing, like thinking back to that after, especially what's happening in the current story in the manga, yeah. which I don't really need to go into, but it just adds like new weight to that entire situation. You know what I mean? So and and you know, going back to what you said of how much of a threat he is, he is now the person to wield two devil fruits at the same time, right. and pretty much declares Whitebeard's era is over. This is the new age. Yeah, yeah, and and how his character is handled in the story you know, where he's not like conventional in regard to, I'm just, even though he has the raw power to deal with of the vast majority of the cast that we've seen so far, he still employs like sneaky behind the back, like backdoor oh, like, yeah. underhanded tactics to get where he's going. Even though he could really just come in and wipe really much, pretty much anybody right. that he wants to probably. And I think that has like a lot to do with Oda hiding those kind of conflicts for later events, mm -hmm. but also, establishing his character as someone who's a little bit more tactical than you would originally see because he's kind of like painted a little bit to be like a coward in some regard because how much, Yo, pain, how, much how much pain he shows when he takes damage which like goes into like the kind of the darkness fruit that he has which doubles his physical damage that he takes which is a good caveat to have for it yes, but it's yes. offset by the fact that he has two devil fruits so it's like but he also yeah as a d he he also showed like cowardliness in the face of death the only we've one. Seen which everybody like else that has the d initial laugh in the that. face of yeah, death right, but yeah. yeah i don't want to go into the um, conversation but but yeah i mean he he's the guy that caused or he was the guy that threw ace in jail so i yeah. mean luke pissed off at him and yeah. now he's uh, hell bent on becoming you know the number one pirate yeah straight up and yeah he's got the power to do so if you know unchecked yeah straight up yeah. straight up blackbeard's a good pick well the last the last pick that i have here to kind of round the conversation off um is kind of like dipping back into the realm of the obscure of the obscure a little bit but still a classic at the same time because the the story 
that I'm talking about here is a character from Paranoia Agent, and we're talking about Little Slugger, baby, because li <laughs> because Little Slugger in 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 <laughs> Little Slugger and Paranoia Agent is one of the more interesting villains that I have on my list, and one of the more interesting villains that I've seen in anime because he isn't really a person. I would say he's not a real monster. Yeah, exactly. He's not something like physical that can be beaten conventionally. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. he he's just a manifestation of depression anxiety Ooh. all and your pretty, fears and, and pretty yeah and pretty much any other psychological turmoil that 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 someone can experience and he's like the freddy krueger yes or, or like the boogeyman oh. you know yes. of, of mental of illness concept. you know what i mean yes yeah, yeah you exactly. know what i mean and, yeah. and it's like and and when i'm going through this as a kid i don't really know what i'm seeing you know me what either. i mean and and the entire time yeah. from like when you see him first encounter in the first episode the main character is it's been so long since that. Sagi Sagiri. It's been so long since I've seen it. I don't remember either. I think it's I think it's Sagiri. I don't know. Someone correct me if you want to. But um, this is this is all off of memories from 2005. So yeah, <laughs> so long time ago. Yeah, and but um, but it, it was just it was just such a cool villain because of the concept behind it. And it's not until I entered adulthood and looked back on the series. You know, and and seeing you know articles or seeing people talking about it on the internet, that I realized that it wasn't a character at all, and it, and it was literally just a, it literally just it a these you, people imagination. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and you have these people that have these you know fucked up pasts where they rack up all of this psychological, you know, trauma and all of this moral debt, and you know, and 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 little slugger kind of torments them up until they he baps him you know with his crooked ass baseball bat and kind of like you know and kind of like you know <laughs> you know releases them from this from this from this this mental burden that they have and it's like this yeah. this this amazingly written you know thing like i respect it and, and i appreciate it a lot more now you yeah. know than than i did back then because i just thought that this was just like a a freddy krueger jason michael you know myers you know style you know bad guy you know that this this horror you know you know villain that you know that just came and got you eventually at the end of the episode you know what i mean you don't really you can't really understand i mean at least i didn't really understand it when i was a kid but definitely I, I, closer I, to freddy cougar than yeah, 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 yeah it's 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 yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it's, it's in your mind and like i man, i remember one episode in particular and i don't i don't remember exactly what was going on but somebody was like talking out their fears or whatever to kind of like face them and get over them yeah. and it was just a silhouette of little slugger because all he is is really a shadow yeah. just with the bat like getting bigger no, and bigger no, but he's, he's floating through the he's he's skating back he's and forth in a zigzag like, yeah getting Boom. closer and, and closer like, yeah 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 dude and you're like is somebody about to get beat with his bat but no because he's not real <laughs> exactly not even, exactly and and it's it's it's, it's like crazy how, and it makes you ask questions like how do you like once you realize what's going on it's like how do you deal with this you know what i mean like you have to you have face to, yourself yes exactly and it's just a new kind of villain that is just was it's just so new and i don't think it's really ever been done like that again mm -hmm. at least in anything that i've seen so no, i thought that i thought that, that would be a great antagonist to, to bring up you know at the table hey, how about the opening where they're all just like laughing <laughs> Everybody's just sitting there yeah, laughing. Yeah, yeah. It's like uncomfortable laughing, like they're yes. laughing over their pain. Yes. And each one of them is laughing like to hide their pain. And you can and see in just, their facial expressions that like there's they're not laughing because they're happy. 
no. you know what i mean yeah like yeah. this is like is a joker so toxin off-putting. type situation oh, you know what i mean yeah. it was so yeah. off-putting and yeah. you're just like that's how you start every episode and you're yeah. like but that's one of the right. best opening songs yeah. ever. I don't know why oh, yeah. I like the Yoda, but it like, too. yeah, but like, on adult oh. for a while? Yeah, 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 straight up. Yeah, it was definitely yeah, that, that show used to be terrifying, dude. It was so yeah. scary as a kid because you didn't know what you're seeing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I'm like, why is this dude skating around binking on motherfuckers with this golden ass bat? And it's like, and then and then when you're a kid, you're like, this kid's a child. Beat body slam this motherfucker, bro. Like, but he gets swollen. Yeah, but he gets big, and then his face, like, like. Like, like, there's one, like, scene where he, like, just, like, has, like, this, like, monstrous ass, like, face with, like, these sharp teeth and, like, these psycho eyes yeah. and shit, and he's just, like, get me out of here. Yeah, yeah, but I wanted to... Yeah. I felt like, so I felt like... Little... radio on roller skates, yeah. and he comes to beat your ass. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that, uh, I thought that Little Slugger would be a cool thing to end it on for anybody that That is, that this, really, this really is. Good pick. Did Absolutely. you, were you guys expecting that? <laughs> no, hell no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, but um, nice, nice. but yeah, man. Thank you guys for, for another amazing discussion. Um, Silvers, thanks for joining us tonight. Oh, um, finally, I, like, like I was saying, slowly but surely, I'm trying to bring all of our people into the fold. For those who don't know, Project Mongo was a group chat in the beginning of it all, and Silvers is a ranking old timer at this point of that yeah, group chat. So we're all we're, we're all a family, and it, and it's always great to have you know people from that setting on the show, so we can kind of bring some of that energy from that group chat to you guys on the internet so so thank you for participating thank you guys for the discussion that's going to do it for another incredible episode of tangential tie-ins um i should probably let you know down in the description i'm going to have timestamps for any of the manga that we might have spoiled throughout the series or throughout the episode um also that's where you're going to find all of our links to all of our social media and all of our online communities i'm also going to put the at and the link for the extra dimensional uh pop culture aesthetic page that um that silvers is at the head of nowadays and uh, that's also going to be where you can find all of our audio streaming platforms that we're that we exist on, like Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that, that's going to do it. Um, feel free to uh, drop your favorite villain, you know, in the in the comments down below. Let us Please know do. if we touched on everyone that you think we should. I know that we obviously can't get to everybody in, in, no, in such impossible. a short time, but this is another topic where it's very easy to have a second or even third iteration of so just let us know what you want let us know if we should do a round two of this um anytime in the in the near future but otherwise we'll see you guys next week i'm gonna go ahead and sign off i'm noxy it's your boy kiko eagle we'll catch y'all next time